This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. For the sake of the conversation we're going to have today, we're just going to assume that we're recording this at 4.01 Eastern Standard Time. We're actually recording it at about 2.30. We don't think the Bills are going to do anything before the franchise tag deadline. Sal, is that a safe assumption? Yeah, first of all, are you in a time warp? My clock says 2.11 p.m., just so you know. If you say it's 2.30, you are literally 20 minutes ahead of me in real time in life. No, I just kind of assumed it was 2.30. I didn't really look. I just knew we were starting sometime after 2 o'clock. I know there's literally, (laughs) there's literally a, there's a clock on the computer, but I have my Zoom on a full screen, so it covers the the corner of it. Well, this is obviously going to end in the Bills not tagging anybody. Brandon Bean has essentially said that uh, from the beginning. When he, let's go back to the end of the year press conference when we all know that Jordan Poyer is really not even a candidate uh, Mm -hmm. because of his age, or or maybe I guess people could have thought that. So he never seemed to be a candidate and the bills never really treated him like a guy that they were necessarily doing whatever they could to retain him. So it really came down to Edmonds and the way that being put it, which is right is unfortunately in this case, especially all linebackers are grouped the same, including three, four pass rushing linebackers who get sacks. So Therefore, off-ball linebackers, their salaries stay in line with the same franchise tag as those linebackers, which would cost the Bills over $20 million for the exclusive franchise tag and even $17.5 for the non-exclusive. And I have to remind everybody, even if you think that's okay, let's remember, if they were to tag Tremaine Edmonds, that money would count on their salary cap the minute the league year opened, and that would be all that money the Bills could not use on anything else. Uh, So while you were saying that, I know that I'm 20 minutes in the future here, but according to Adam Schefter, this is not a bills related note, but it's a division note. So I wanted to bring it up. The dolphins are releasing Byron Jones. Okay. Which is, you know, somebody who was brought there to really be a difference maker and then never, I think lived up to the expectations of the contract that he signed. So it's going to save them about $13.6 million on the salary cap. So that's it. This is what's going to happen now, really from now until the next time we do a podcast, this is when the off season really starts to pick up. So I apologize. I, I didn't want to completely get off the bills thing. We may the have that, three more news, breaking news yeah. before we get off the uh, podcast here. When you were talking about how it never really felt like it was a real possibility to franchise tag Jordan Poyer. I agree. I did though, think that it was a real possibility that they would tag admins until I found out about the like 
outside linebacker edge rushers who also fall into the linebacker category and how massive that amount of money was going to be like for basically $20 million, the bills were never going to franchise tag Tremaine Edmonds. It just didn't make sense, especially for somebody whose market value, depending on the website that you check floats between like 12 and 15, somewhere in that range. So I I do still think that they want to keep him, but man, as we get a week closer to free agency, I think that it's just human nature to probably see, want to see what's out there. Right. Yeah. One of my pet peeves, Matt is, and and I get the nature of doing this. It's not like, Oh my God, I can't believe you people do this, but I, I hear from fans, we get tweets and calls and whatever. And it's the phrase is, well, they're going to, I can't believe they're going to let him walk. Right. Those three words. The bills necessarily aren't letting anything happen other than saying, Hey, we're going to let you be a free agent um, on our end by not tagging you. There are two sides to this. The player also chooses to walk when they go to another team. The bills may have every intention on trying to work out a deal with Tremaine Edmonds, but at what cost is that? Here's my sense. This is what I think's going on. All right. This reminds me of two years ago with Matt Milano. He was in a very similar situation. No way. Same I legit. I can't believe you just brought up Matt Milano. I wish right. you could see my screen. I legitimately, while you were talking, looked up when they signed Matt Milano because I wanted to make sure I had the date right. And it okay. was funny. It was, it was annoying because the story here yep. says, you know, like all of this information, blah, 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 blah. And it had, you know, an embedded tweet of a competitor. And I was like, oh, why did they do that? But it was March 11th. So it was a couple days before free agency started. Okay, well, well, let me let me explain that and tell everybody remember what happened here. Okay, so two years ago, Matt Milano was entering free agency. He was a pending free agent. He was considered one of the top three or four linebackers on the market. Um, I believe um, uh, the the guy for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't his name escapes me now. He's going to be free agent again this year. He was number one. Anyway, um, so. It was, hey, they're not going to franchise tag him. That's just too much money. They can't do that. They hope to work out a deal, but you know what? They remember that year they had they had Daryl Williams and John Feliciano also that they wanted that's to what, That's what I also have up here. So they signed right. Feliciano on the 14th. Okay, so, so what happened, three days though, later. Let me walk through the, the timeline, though. Milano that year was allowed, like everybody, to start negotiating on March 15th with other teams. So the Bills did not tag him by the deadline. They had until March 15th to have exclusive negotiating rights and the bills worked out something three days before that happened. He never even got a chance to talk to other teams. I think the bills would love a scenario like that with Tremaine Edmonds. They'd love to be able to say, look, we worked something out even before he was able to start negotiating with other teams in the, what we call legal tampering window where an agent could talk to teams, but they can't contact the player directly. It might not happen here. The agent to go back to my original point may say, look guys, thank you. We love you. You did so such a great job with the, for, for him and developing him, but we want to go test the market. And that's the player's choice. Breaking news update. Number two. Okay. On the podcast. Love it. According to multiple reports, Dan Graziano, Diana Rossini, and Rob Domofsky from this has gotta Green be, Bay. This has gotta be, Oh, I was going to say a, a Lamar report, but now you say green Bay. Go ahead. The jets have flown Woody Johnson's private plane to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers in person. They are landing soon. The Green Bay Packers have given permission to the New York Jets to speak with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, the permission part came earlier, but now it's really getting hot and heavy. So we can talk about that and get into it. Let's just kind of table that and note this. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, I want to put this on my notes. I want to talk about this today. Um, This is what I see, though, going back to Tremaine and Matt. Exactly what happened with Matt Milano, which is basically, 
Um, he was signed to this longer term deal four year deal before the free agent tampering window even opened. I think the bills would like to do that with Tremaine Edmonds, because again, I want to go back to, I want to go back to the issue of Matt, even if someone felt, well, wait a minute, why don't you just tag them to give yourself time to work out a deal? That's fine. I, I love that strategy, except for one problem. The money you spend to tag him counts on the salary cap. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't work out a long-term deal, you're on the hook for that money until he does. And they don't mm-hmm. have room to do that. No. And it would be a substantial difference between the number that he would probably sign a contract for and the number that he would ultimately be tagged for. I do agree with you. I think the bill's dream scenario, if they want to keep Tremaine Edmonds would be to get something done before he hits the open market. Um, the bucks are releasing left tackle Donovan Smith. I don't really think that's super news or earth shattering stuff. Um, so I, I agree with you because I do think that there was going to be a team out there that if he gets to the open market admins, they're going to say, man, linebacker who's already played five seasons, 25 years old, entering the prime of his career, just maybe had his best season. Like that's somebody we want to build around. I think the thing working in the bill's favor is that Tremaine Edmonds probably has two massive contracts that he's going to sign left in his career. And that's why I think maybe he'll be like, listen, this is the team that I want to be with. This is the team that ultimately I want to try and get over the hump. I want to win one here. And then I'll go, you know, sign with whoever's going to give me the most money. It's always what I thought was going to happen with Jordan Poyer. I thought Jordan Poyer would stay in Buffalo if they won a Super Bowl or until they did and then sign a big contract elsewhere. Now it doesn't feel like that's going to happen. But I do think that of the two, Edmonds feels like the one that's still the more likely option to happen. And I would say I give the Bills a 60% chance at re-signing him. I'd say it's 60-40 that he stays in Buffalo. That's where I'm at. I like that percentage. I'm thinking I was thinking closer to 50, 50 as after the combine went and you know, we really haven't heard anything about, Oh yeah. You know they're talking and even being said, yeah, we'll reach out to their representatives representatives. If we already haven't, or started talking, if we already haven't. And if anybody saw that quote and it's like, what do you mean? How do you not know? Well, the GM isn't usually directly involved with those preliminary talks. That's basically mm-hmm. falls on Kevin Megang, Jim Overdorf. Each team has a person who you know, does the contract thing. And then it goes to the GM, you know, when it gets down a certain road. So that's why, you know, he would maybe phrase it something like that. As far as Jordan Poyer is concerned, I, um, I I think that it's getting closer and closer to the realization that he's going to be with another club in 2023. I agree with that. And I feel like it's what we said on the last podcast, based off of some of the tweets, I wouldn't be shocked with Miami. I mean, they just freed up, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, $13 million with Byron Jones leaving. I wouldn't be shocked if it was Miami just because he has a home there. I wouldn't be shocked if it was, it's actually, I don't really want to, I don't want to. Yes. That was the other team that I was going to say. I don't want to like the only team that I really makes sense for to me is Miami. After that, there might just be, I've thought, what do you think about the giants? Mm, no, 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 no. I, I think his, if he's going to leave Buffalo, I think his wife and him would much rather go to, he's talked about taxes, like how big. Oh, of that's a, yeah. No, I know. I, he would literally not, you know, yeah. yeah I, they, I don't in know. New Jersey. I just can't see that happening. It's to me, it's, it's a state that doesn't have any state income tax, which is Florida or Texas. I think the bucks could come into play. <laughs> excuse me, depending on how they want to structure what's going on. And are they trying to rebuild or be right there or whatever? What about the Houston Texans? That's an interesting team. Yeah, but how do you? I know it's not about, it wouldn't be about winning them necessarily, right? 
that's why I feel like Miami makes the most sense because you check boxes and I know some bills fans are going to roll their eyes when they hear that, but I think the Miami dolphins are a lot closer to being relevant than the Houston Texans are right. Oh, I agree with you about Miami being, and, and that's, they, they live down there too. I'm just saying there are maybe other possibilities here that Jordan Poyer could go to. If he's thinking along those lines, um, we are seeing some notes about and news about running backs the last few weeks. So just to kind of put a bow on all this, Devin Singletary, his situation, I, I just don't think right now he's going to be back with the Buffalo bills. Although I don't think the bills would be against it. It's just, he's going to have enough of a market, not a huge one where he might be able to, you know, he's going to be able to get paid more than what the bills are willing to do, especially knowing James cook is there and, you know, good for Devin Singletary. That's fine. I just don't see him on the bills as it stands right now in 2023. Yeah. I tend to agree with you there. I still think that if you're going with cook and Hines, you're totally fine moving forward. I think the bills are going to have to decide, do they want to keep Hines? Do they want to keep McKenzie? It might be tough to keep them both. So I agree. I think they've turned the page on the Singletary chapter, unless he just doesn't get nearly as much on the open market as we anticipate. Like what would be the number you would be willing to bring him back for three and a half, maybe something like that. Yeah. That would be, I would say four max, probably any more than that doesn't make sense. I want to ask you now that we're in mock draft season, how do you feel about the potential of drafting a running back in the first round? Do you think absolutely no questions asked? No. Or do you think, yeah, for the best player available, why not? I generally think do not do it. I think it's a waste of an asset, a waste of a premium asset. I understand this has nothing to do with the player. Bijan Robinson is amazing. Matt, we do this dance every year, whether it's Travis Etienne a couple of years ago, Brees Hall last year. Now it's yeah. Bijan Robinson. I see it every year. Look, if you're going to draft a first round running back, you are going to have to give that guy the ball. He's going to have to. That's why you do it. This team is not revolving around a running back. It's revolving around a quarterback. Why would I be interested in handing the ball off to a first round running back 25 times a game when I have Josh Allen? It just doesn't make sense to throw the ball. I want to throw the ball. So I think it's a horrible use of assets is what I think. Well, I think your counter argument there, which is they just used a second round pick on a running back and they barely gave him the ball. And you know what I mean? Like does that is that more of an indictment on what they think of him as a player or on what they think their offense is going to be? And I don't know the answer to that. Now, the other smoke that we've seen out there is Von Miller tweeting pictures with Derrick Henry. And that one makes no sense to me. No. I don't know if I'm just not. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it would be $10 million. You have to give something up. It's just not the way the bills operate. Let's look at how Bean has operated here. Yes, he did use a second round pick on James Cook. I understand that. He did use third rounders on Singletary and Moss. He generally does not use, if you want to call a second, I understand, but not a first round pick and not big assets, big money on running backs. And again, if you get Derrick Henry, you got to give him the ball, man. That's why you get Derrick Henry. I just, I don't see that for the bills, but, but, but Matt here, here's the one thing that I'll hold out for that say, hey, I'm not going to sit here and go, Oh my God, there's absolutely no chance. The bills have fallen short the last few years. They're, they've talked about, you know, we have to examine ourselves maybe there's some change in philosophy coming that we're not seeing. That's the only thing that I would say that would keep me from going all the way on. There's absolutely no possibility. Well, the thing that you've mentioned, Brandon Bean has drafted three running backs with his tenure, which is a lot. And they've all been day two picks, which is not nothing. So to me, that says more that they're really valuing the position and they're trying to improve it. And maybe they just haven't gotten out of it what they think that they need to. And that's why they keep kicking the can. And maybe if Robinson is there, you go, 
He's our 10th best player on the board. That would we're be drafting, tough to and we're drafting at 27. Are we really going to take the fifth best wide receiver or the sixth best lineman instead of the absolute best running back? I do not feel super strongly about it either way. I very much agree with you that I think it is a waste of an asset in the first round, but I also do think that it makes an immediate impact on your team. And I don't think a first round running back has to touch the ball 25 times a game. I think a first round running back has to touch the ball 12 to 15 times a game. And when you have Josh Allen, that really opens things up for that running back because teams are going to be more worried about Josh Allen or for the sake of the conversation, Derek Henry. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm very much team wide receiver team offensive lineman. Heck I'm even open to a tight end in the first round. I don't care as long as it's an offensive player, but to do that, then you have to be okay with the option of running back as well. I'm starting the, uh, I'm starting to really warm up to that tight end option, by the way, let's talk about that. 